do, 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 do. Here we go. My name is Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is, oh, there we go. <laughs> I got to stop it before I turn it back up, silly. Silly. But we're going to still go. We're still, this is the show. This is podcast number 393. Okay. Which are all multiples of three, as it turns out. Are you with me? Yes. I'm you with are you. with me, or yes. are you just saying you're with me? No. On today's show, uh, anxiety. You're going to have an update for us on a natural disaster that's going on. It's funny. Like, I think our podcast is going to be like a historic timeline of what was going on in our lives. I know. So, and then we're going to talk about a screening that we're doing. So it's related to the topic. So we're going to talk about, talk about anxiety. And we're hosting a screening at our local York uh, Elmhurst Theater called Angst. And uh, tickets are limited and they're going quick. So if you want to get in. Uh, go to our events tab or page. On go to zenparentingradio.com and then click on events and tickets are right there. So why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. I already told you what today's show is all about. So I'm going to let my sweetheart take it from here as far as what's going on in the world today. Well, I just wanted to comment about... Uh, Hurricane Harvey in that's hitting Texas and that coastal area right there. And um, I was telling Todd that even though I'm not watching news or live footage, that the pictures and the stills are enough for me to really feel heavy. I was heavy last night and, you know, just, you know, I, I think we all, when people around us are suffering, we, we tend to feel it, you know, you, you kind of carry a little bit of that energy for people and um, it's overwhelming. It literally, like it's the water is literally overwhelming and we've seen it before, um, but it's been a long time yeah. since there's been a hurricane like this. Um, so I just wanted to say two things about it. Number one, when you see um, a still shot or you're watching TV and you're like, oh, I wish there's something I can do. There is. They absolutely are saying what they need right now is money. They need money to make sure they have the resources for people in need. So sending clothes and sending stuff like that, that's not what they need right now. They need money. So um, I wanted to give you guys a really simple way to give. Um, if you have a phone, you text the number 90999. So let me say that again, 90999. And then you just... Nine, nine zero and three nines. You got it. And then you write the word Harvey in all caps. Now, I did this this morning and nothing happened and I wasn't sure, um, you know, I didn't get a text back or anything. So I was like, oh, maybe it didn't work. And Todd said, um, maybe they're inundated right I, now. I did the same thing and I, didn't, I haven't gotten anything back yet. And I have. So what that tells me is that there's they are inundated, which I'm very thankful. Or something's going on or right. our phones are slow, but... I got a text back, finally said, saying to confirm, because I didn't even tell you what this does. It, it allows you to donate $10 to the American Red Cross. Um, and basically, I got a text back saying to confirm your $10 donation to the American Red Cross for Hurricane Harvey, reply with yes. So that's all I have to do. And then what they do is they add that $10 to your bill. So we get about 8,000 listeners. Let's just say half of them choose to do that. That's 4000 Yep. times 10. Yep. That's $40,000. Yes. And this is what I'm saying is sometimes we get very stuck and we, we either don't look at it at all, mm -hmm. uh, which it's interesting because I'm the language that's coming out right now of our 
our nation because of everything that's going on with our leadership and all the choices that are being made is that when we decide to not look at all or decide, well, my life's fine, so I'm not going to look, there's a hint of privilege in that. Or I might, uh, I don't want to have a bad day, so I'm not going to look at it. Yeah. And, and I'm saying a hint of privilege because I'm not trying to say people who aren't looking are bad people. It's not about that. But when you have the capability to not look or help, it gives you a lot of insight to your privilege. Right. You know, it's just it's just what it is. And so that doesn't mean, you know, you guys who listen to this show a lot know that we say, turn off the news, mm-hmm. you know, attend to your own life, do your gratitude list, be with people you love. It doesn't mean those things. This is the paradox, you guys. We have to do all those things, turn off the news, you know, practice our gratitudes, be loving, enjoy life, look at the sun, look at the stars. We need that so then we can face the realities of our life. Mm-hmm. And right now in our country, in the South, there is a huge disaster and we are needed. It, it's just we we don't – to me, we don't get to just say, well, that's not happening So here. what about the person who feels horrible? horrible about the victims of this disaster uh-huh. who's watching CNN or Fox or MSNBC, you know, 16 hours a day right. and is really dragged down. That's that's not going to help anybody. Do right. you see how that drain that's why I'm saying it's a paradox. You if you're watching TV incessantly and you're being and you're crying and you're overwhelmed by what's happening down there, you can't help anybody. This is an os- oxygen mask theory thing. You have got to take care of yourself so you can rise to the challenge of dealing with your own life. And then also recognizing something's happening and we're needed. And and look at what I just gave, you know, look at, no, I didn't do it. The Red Cross did it. Look at what we just um, provided. provided information about. All you have to do is text a number and, again, wait for the text to come back. It will come back. So don't send it 10 times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just wait for the text to come back. It may take a little bit of time. And then you get to donate that simply. On our Zen Parenting Radio Facebook page, I, I also listed about seven other ways you can give. You can send a check in the mail. There's other organizations, you know, Save the Children. Even Apple is, um, if you go to iTunes, they've got a link where you can donate. Right. So there are many ways. You don't have to just do the text way. But my my, I hope maybe you feel inspired if you're listening to this to give something yeah. because what they need is money. Well, you know? and the ease of giving, like most of us, I think, listen from our phone and literally you don't have to log on to your computer. You don't have to get out your credit card. Like you literally can do, do it, it right now. Like two seconds. 909-99 and then text Harvey. All caps, Harvey. And um, and again, wait for the reply because it will come eventually. I like it 90999. You're saying it 90999. But I think 90999 is a better way of saying it. You want to know why I'm saying it that way? Why? Because when you text it, that's how they split it up. Oh, really? Nine zero, they do it like a phone number. Got 909-99. It. Got it. So I'm just kind of reading off my phone. And you got to text Harvey in the Harvey. Te- in the comment section co- of the text. Yeah, you, in, the text has to say Harvey. That little box. And then, you know, so one other comment I want to make that is about Harvey, but also just about the world, because there's a lot of things that have happened in the last three or four days, five days. Um, and I just am always reminded that when we're struggling with anything, if it be something in our own home or in something in the world, that a lot of times we'll be like, oh, things are hopeless or there's no hope or I got to find hope outside of me or I hope someone gives me hope. And something I recognized this weekend, or maybe I don't even know when I recognized it, it just kind of was coming to me this morning pretty 
pretty big was that hope is never gone. Hope is not something we have to like, oh, now I'm I'm struggling, so I have to go find it. Mm-hmm. Amidst everything that's happening in our lives, everything exists. Even when you're in pain, there is joy. Even when things seem overwhelming, there is hope. And it's really just a way of thinking. And I don't mean it's magic, like, oh, just think about it and all of a sudden you'll be hopeful. What I mean is it's it's accessible. There is something it's always there. Like take take me out of it, take anything out of it. Everything is always available in existence. If you are even having a joyful moment, there's negative around. Mm. Do you know what I mean, Todd? Yeah. It, I, I don't want to get too – sometimes I feel these things and it's hard to put it to words. But it's like we think one thing is available at a time and it's not. universe is expansive. It's everything. It's always around. And sometimes it, it's harder to access. Like that I totally get. Like when things feel overwhelming, it's hard to to reach for hope. You know, it's hard to see it. It's hard to know. But what I want to say to anybody right now who is struggling or who is in Texas right now or who has friends there or are they're just struggling with the world or our leadership right now or, or something in your own life, in your own home, hope is always always around. Can I play Andy Dufresne for us? Please. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. I will be hoping that this letter finds you and finds you well. Your friend, Andy. Good old Andy. It never dies because it's not something that could die. It just an it's there's a the language I love to use is there's an isness about it. Yeah, isness. It, it, hope is always available. So um, let's talk about um, why we decided to talk about anxiety today. Okay. Why did we decide? Because we have something coming up. Yeah. So on September 11th here in Elmhurst, we have um, a screening. So for those of you who are new to our show, Todd and I um, look around for documentaries that are available, and we usually bring two documentaries to our community. Um, and usually they're about topics that we that are near and dear to our heart. Um, just to give you some history, you know, we did the Hunting Ground, which was about sexual assault. We did the Empowerment Project, which was about girls and women kind of um, reaching beyond what maybe society often expects. Um, we, we did the Mask You Live In. The Mask You Live In, which was about understanding the issues that boys and men are facing in our society and how they are struggling as well. Um, and we did Girl Rising, which was about girls all over the world who are um, fight, fight to be educated. Yeah. So these are the kind of things we, we like to bring to the community. This time on September 11th, we are bringing the movie Angst. Um, it The movie Angst is about anxiety. It really focuses on two things. Number one, how to normalize anxiety and how to recognize it, and also how to decrease the stigma around it. Um, Many people are unwilling to talk about anxiety in open spaces, yet I can tell you as a therapist that the thing I hear from parents and children, everybody I meet with, is that they're anxious. This is the most common thing that's going on in our society right now, in my opinion. It's what I'm seeing the most. What Mm. about you? No, I mean, and it's funny, like, I think it's just, we're dressing it up in a different word. This always existed, but anxiety is something that it's just a more popular word now. You know what? You're right. It's nothing new. Mm. It's absolutely zero new. I just think it's been heightened. I think what is happening, the fact that every day we turn on the news and there's a new, like, issue. Well, the 24-hour news cycle, our cell phones, our iPads, um, 
you know, it's, our leadership, our leadership, we are built to, you know, I, I quote Tony Robbins quite often, but he says the human brain is not built to make us happy. It's built to make us survive. Correct. And sometimes if we feel like we're fearful or anxious about something, that is our way of kind of protecting ourselves. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where we get into trouble. So you have to kind of work through the anxiety to get to that place of contentment or happiness. You know, I had kind of an interesting image the other day that I was drawing and it was that fear, anxiety, um, sometimes sadness, sometimes, you know, whatever the word may be, you know, one of those motions that we may call negative, it's really often leading the pack Mm -hmm. and anger too. And that it is helpful to us to a point, meaning sometimes anger is like leading the pack and it gets us to a point where it says, look at this. Yes. This is a boundary that's been crossed. It's grabbing you by the shirt saying, deal with this. Look at this. And then what we need, the the thing that we're, we need to learn, which is why we wanted to bring this movie, is when that happens, then we have to switch who's in first mm-hmm. and anger can take a bit of a back seat and then we need a different coping me- mechanism to come up to the front of the line. Right. So the anger or the anxiety or the fear or the sadness may be the red you know, siren going off, like, look, look, wake look, up. wake up. But then other things can lead the pack to help us cope. Does that make sense, Todd? It does. Um, I, I want to read the technical definition of anxiety just because sometimes I have a hard time defining it. Sure, I feel sure, like if ahead. we label it and define it, it helps. So an anxiety disorder is a common mental illness defined by feelings of uneasiness, worry, and fear. While anxiety occurs for everyone, Sometimes a person with an anxiety disorder feels an inappropriate amount of anxiety more often than is reasonable. So I want to be able to differentiate between everyday anxiety that we have every day and, you know, compulsive an obsessive anxiety. Anxiety right? disorder. Right. So some people are diagnosed clinically with you with you have an anxiety disorder. And usually that's because their thoughts or the feelings around their thoughts are so exacerbated and are so constant and chronic that they can't find a space to even recognize that maybe someone else should come to the front. Yeah. Another mood. Right. Um, there is no space for it. And so that gets diagnosed as, as uh, you know, an anxiety There's disorder. There's six major types. Do you know what you want me to tell you what they are? Generalized anxiety. Anxiety mm-hmm. disorder, um, and then it says, comma anxiety anxiety attacks or panic disorder, obsessive com- compulsive disorder, phobia, social anxiety disorder, and PTSD. So, and we can differenti- differentiate all of them yeah. really quickly. Generalized anxiety disorder is really the umbrella. Mm-hmm. When, like, if you know someone came in to see me and was like, "I have anxiety, but I'm not quite sure when it begins, when it ends, why it starts." Then you just know it's generalized, and that's kind of like your umbrella to start the process of figuring things out. Sure. The next one? Uh, it says anxiety attacks or panic disorder. So we know what that is. Panic, people who experience panic attacks. And Todd and I have both said on the show that he and I have both experienced panic right. attacks. Right, and real briefly, mine happened. Now, I kind of cheated on mine because mine was after I was drinking a lot of alcohol over a long weekend. Well, it's not really a cheat. What well, you did was your your system was not right. able to cope. And, and that's one thing that you can learn is when your system isn't doing well, mm-hmm. th- things come to the surface that may otherwise be mm-hmm. able to be dealt with. But I was on an airplane after a long weekend with friends drinking a lot. And I was like seconds away from asking the stewardess to help me because I didn't know what to do. Um, I felt the, the way I described my attack was... I felt like everything was wrong and I was going to die. Yes. Even though there was nothing wrong, I was safely in an airplane cruising along at 30,000 feet, but everything was wrong. Correct. And it was an awful 
scary feeling. Like death. Like death. And let me say this too, just so we can make sure, because to Todd's point, we want to differentiate from a disorder versus something that may happen to more people than we know. I, I have never felt that I have had a panic disorder, nor have I been diagnosed with something like that, nor have you, but we have had panic attacks. Right. So just because you have a panic attack doesn't mean you have a disorder right. necessarily. That's when it's more consistent and right. chronic. But my panic attack, actually I had more than one. Um, it was in my mid-20s when a lot of things were going on in my life, and mine felt like I kind of lost control of my body. Mm. So I um, I had a lot of numbness. I had the same kind of feeling in my mind that I was dying. Um, my heart raced really fast and I didn't know what to do. And I remember the first time it happened, I got in the bath because mm. I couldn't feel my body. Mm. Like it was, it was a really huge detachment and it was horrifying yeah. and terrifying because you don't even know how to ask for help. Right. You're, you're not quite sure what's happening. I ended up going to the emergency room and they... Um, they, you know, there was all sorts of things, but they were worried that I had MS because I had all this numbness, all these things. And they eventually said, after checking everything, I think you had a panic attack. Sure. And so I was like, oh, okay. So the next, not, oh, okay, great. But but wasn't it good to be able to yes, label it as something? At least there was, this is why we're bringing this movie. The normalization of overwhelming feelings or anxious feelings or fear in the body that become, that manifest, like the experience of a panic attack is a manifestation in the body mm-hmm. of all this anxiety anger or all this fear and anxiety that's that doesn't know how to release itself um when when other people say oh i know what that is the the compression like it's like a balloon yeah it just decreases Mm. that pressure that we feel like what the hell is wrong with me when you're having an attack or you feel like you have an anxiety disorder you probably feel like you're the only Only one in the world who has it right always it's that hopeless feeling of no one's gonna get this and then this is where we go to you know i'm skipping over but to the empathy sympathy thing because if you tell the wrong person Mm. they could look at you like you're crazy like if my i was living with three of my girlfriends when that happened and and if you know, they would have walked in and been in a certain mood and I'm like, I can't feel my body. That's why I'm in the tub. They could have laughed at me. They may not have understood the, not because they're bad people, right. but they may not have understood. And that makes it worse yeah. where empathy is saying, I may not fully understand, but I'm with you. So let's say, say the other one. We'll go oh, more quick. Okay. Uh, let me see. It is generalized. Oh, um, obsessive, obsessive. OCD. OCD. So some of you know what obsessive compulsive disorder is. A lot of us use the language of OCD as if that's really, people will say, oh, I'm so OCD. It's become kind of a, a yeah. way of describing our organizational habits. Yes. OCD is very different. OCD is actually a true disorder where you cannot tolerate things being out of place or things not being clean or your body and your mind literally can't tolerate we it. We probably can all come up with examples of this, but I remember I used to work at a gas station with a guy and he had OCD and the way he would close the gas cap mm-hmm. whenever he was filling up somebody's car, it would take him like a minute and a half yes. because he had to twist it just right. And I never understood what it was that he was doing. And his brother happened to work for him. He's like, oh, he's got OCD. Yes. Now that was just a is a very strange thing where it, versus what you're describing is, oh, I just like to keep a clean office. Like that's different. Well, and again, this is like something we need to like totally pull apart because it's hard to, because again, people who are dealing with chronic anxiety, it, there's no like one way. Mm. Like there can be like, sometimes I'm OCD. It could be environmental factors that cause sure. that feeling of obsessive compulsive, but some people have it all the time. Again, where it's more chronic, where like you said, they may, he may do that with a gas cap. He may do that with a doorknob. Mm. He may flick the lights on and off 
off five times before he goes to bed. And let me say this again. I, when I was young, I used to have things where when I'd listen to music, I would count the beats on my finger. And if I didn't end up on my thumb, mm. it made me really uncomfortable. Mm. It was kind of like an obsessive compulsive patterning. Yeah. And But again, that doesn't mean you have com- obsessive compulsive disorder. Right. It was just kind of a me trying to kind of find some control, right. find some like patterning, working out. And so I really want to make sure, and this is why I keep saying this, that those of you that experience these things or you're like, oh, I've experienced that once or I occasionally do that or when I have don't have enough sleep, like Todd said, I've had a panic attack. It doesn't mean that it's a disorder necessarily. Right. It could be an experience of your brain or if it's if it's happening continuously enough, it could be a disorder and getting support may change your life. So you ready for the last three? I am. Next one, it just says phobia. I don't know what that means. Well, under the umbrella of generalized anxiety disorder, there are phobias. So okay. people who have who are f- afraid to fly, they're afraid of spiders, they're afraid so of any snakes. Phobias is what exactly. That means. Because usually the phobias are beyond what's really to be afraid of. Got it. Do you know what I mean? Got it. And the fifth one says social anxiety disorder. I think that's one of the most common. That's what I hear the most from um, adults and children is this this fear of being around other people or the discomfort of making a fool of themselves and other people or other people not liking them. Right. This is very connected to children's school anxiety mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're you know, pushing back on not going to school. They don't want to go. It, it's very connected to social anxiety. And again, they call it school anxiety because they may be able to go to their dance class every day or their, their you know, soccer practice, but they can't get into school. But right. it's still a social anxiety. And there's a lot, I think that the majority, gosh, I don't know if that, that's maybe too strong of a statement. I work with a lot of women and I know a lot of women who take a form of SSRI, which is a um, you know anti-anxiety med, also used for depression, they take it for social anxiety, mm-hmm. and because they feel it's too much to go out in the world. Right. And um, you know, again, on this show we talk about medication and drugs. I'm so glad they're available. I'm so glad they're available because there's you know there are people who are actually living a full life now because of them but i also think that sometimes they're over diagnosed they're over prescribed yeah. and they're often prescribed without enough information from the person the, the patient right. so that's just again it's a paradox well and um we could get in trouble with this conversation but um sometimes um i view pills as a band-aid that you need to kind of help you deal with it but other times people just kind of use it as an escape. Well, it depends on the diagnosis and it depends on why things are happening and what coping tools are available in that moment. Yeah. Because there are people who go through trying times or something that they're grieving and they can't get out, Todd. Yeah. So like to be negative toward them because they can't get out mm. is unfair right. because it's a it's a ladder right. for them to climb. Now, here's my point, though, as a therapist or coach is that when that has helped you climb the ladder that's when it's time for therapy mm-hmm. or you know CBT mm-hmm. or um, you know EMDR mm-hmm. or you know all these different ways of what CBT stand for uh, cognitive behavior, behavioral therapy what's EMDR stand for um, i um, motor or um, sensitive um, i don't know look it up okay Keep thank going. you um, but i i've done EMDR and it's super helpful mm-hmm. um, and it's it's time to do things to help internally 
you know, our system so we can, and we, we may need to do those things alongside having medication. A lot of people do both. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to at all point fingers and say, you do this, don't do this because people have to figure out for themselves. Like we always talk, it's East and West. It's everything. It's not one or the other. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. And EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Yes. And so I believe fully in that because I've done it. And I also believe in acupuncture and I believe in chiropractic and I believe in, um, you know, dance and I believe in singing and I believe in, you know, traditional medicine. And you have to figure out what works for you. But again, it's this idea of broadening rather than saying, okay, I have social anxiety. The only thing I can do is this. There are many things simultaneously that can be done. So the last one is PTSD. What's that? Um, And and that's post-traumatic stress disorder. And the PTSD um, often occurs after something that's traumatic, um, something that was overwhelming to the system that the body is having a hard time processing. Interesting, um, EMDR is was first used or is most often used with PTSD because it's helping you reframe, restructure, reprocess those memories so you're not feeling like you're experiencing it over and over again. And what I want to say about PTSD is that a lot of us think about veterans having PTSD, which is very true. Mm-hmm. Many veterans come home with PTSD and and they struggle. And But PTSD is also connected to if you witnessed a car accident. Mm-hmm. If I had, um, ex- I had experiences with PTSD when my dad was sick, where every time I'd get a phone call, there was always such scary or bad news that anytime I, my phone would ring, I would have a, a an experience mm-hmm. like where I'd be it traumatized. Manis- manifest itself physically. Correct. It would manifest like it was just it was not within my control. And so PTSD can be about something like a war or some kind of front line. And it can also be something that we experience that we may say, oh, well, that wasn't a big enough deal for me to feel this PTSD or this trauma. And it it might be. So, again, we have to be gentle on ourselves and not measure our pain. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we'll say those people are in more pain than me. So therefore, I'm not having that experience. So thank you, Todd, for bringing all those to our attention, because as you guys can see, anxiety, you know, generalized anxiety disorder or the word anxiety means a lot, a lot of, of different, different things. things. So what I want to do is be, I'm going to talk about our, our first partner sure. in a second, but um, uh, after that, right on the flip side of that is there's a lot of parents listening who have yes. a lot of kids yes. who have some anxious thoughts. Correct. They may not be a disorder. They may be a disorder. I don't know. Right. So we'll talk about that. But first I want to talk about Kind Snacks. Um, so they have been our partner for about three weeks and they're snacks that you can find at the local grocery store, airplane, coffee shop, gym. Uh, what they do is they make delicious, healthy snacks using whole ingredients you can recognize and pronounce. They're tasty and healthy. And I just had one and it was the, I lost the... And it was good. Cranberry and almonds with macadamia nuts. It was absolutely beautiful. Todd gave me a bite. He's so nice. And I said, that is so good. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, So there's a special deal that they have for our listeners. You get 10 Kind Bars for free. All you have to do is pay shipping. When you order the sample box, you also get... Uh, to try the Kind Snacks Club, which we're in, and you'll receive monthly snacks at a discount and get members-only bonuses. So you have to go to kindsnacks.com slash zen, Z-E-N, in order to qualify for the 10 Kind Bars for free. So, so kindsnacks.com slash zen. zen. Got 10, it. 10 free bars, all you pay is shipping. So uh, thanks to Kind Snacks for supporting Zen Parenting, and uh, I am a huge fan of these little bars. So anyways... 
Go ahead. Can I say something about what you just said for people who want to attend this movie, maybe because they have children who deal with excessive worry? Um, and you may say, well, I don't see my child fitting into any of those categories that you just read off. They may not. They may fit into more either um, it's a situational kind of worry where it's not a diagnosable disorder, or it may be in that generalized anxiety disorder area where it doesn't, it's not specific to one thing, but there's excessive worry. And this is what... But I am finding um, in the teenagers and tweens that I talk to is that it's becoming more common. And when I say normalized, I don't mean normalized like in the good way where we start to see things in each other and that relieves the pressure. It's become more normal for our kids to have extreme stress where they think that a day is not complete unless they're freaking out. Mm -hmm. They think that homework isn't homework unless they're up until two. They think that, you know, a sport isn't a sport unless they're at the risk of being cut every other week. It's this extreme kind of living that is causing not only them overwhelm emotionally, but causes physical issues. And we, as as their parents, have the ability not to negate anxiety, right. but certainly uh, support a household where there's less anxiety available, Correct. right? Can we create a home where we are not adding to that stress. Right, because they're going to get it. They're going to get it from their peers. They're going to get it from their coaches. They're going to get it from their teachers. If if you pile on parents to that list, yeah. it's not the best thing. If and, and if you are a parent with a lot of anxiety that goes unchecked, that you believe that your anxiety is normal, and what I mean by normal is that you don't recognize it as maybe being affecting other people, because this is the thing about anxiety, you guys. As a, as a therapist, when you sit across from someone who has anxiety, it is completely contagious and you can feel it. I often leave a situation with someone who's anxious where I have to kind of go do some coping tools of my own, even though it's not my anxiety, I feel felt theirs and I picked it up. It was so transferred. It was transferred. And again, I know I can be a little porous in that way. Like I, it, it's not that way for everybody. But for those of you who know what I'm talking about, imagine living in a home where your parent or your parents are highly anxious and that's the environment you're marinating in all the time. Well, and I think sometimes us parents, uh, it's easier to work on your child's anxiety Good point. as opposed to work on our own. And kids do that a lot of times. Kids are sponges and they often work out our stuff. Well, they'll our be martyrs. Stuff. They'll yes. take it for their parents. Yes. So our job, I mean, we've talked about this on 393 podcasts, but <laughs> our job is to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of our kids. If we're not taking care of ourselves, then the the our inability to kind of face that fire just without even trying, gets transferred to our kids. Exactly. Can I play the 30 seconds of this trailer? Yes. Of this movie? So this Todd's going to play part of the trailer from this movie, Angst, that we're screening on September 11th. And um, here you go. My hands start to shake. I feel like I can't breathe. I kind of start to breathe really rapidly, and I can't slow my breathing. So then my body starts to think that I, that there's no oxygen and that I'm dying. My vision gets pretty blurry and I can't think. Hmm. Feel bad for her. Well, and I, first of all, I've experienced that. Yeah. Second of all, I talk to people all the time who are experiencing that. 
And sometimes from the outside, you can't tell Mm -hmm. that that person's experiencing that. So let's go with this. Your kid comes home, whether she's four or or he's 14, doesn't matter the age. What tools can you give our listeners saying, and let's remove it from the physical manifestation, and it's a little more subtle. How do we as parents help our kids when they come home with anxiety? We talk about it and we use the word. This is why we wanted to bring this movie. We need to allow, we need to let our kids know that their feelings are human and that the worry that they experience, that they're not alone, and that there are things they can do to calm themselves down. The mistake we make is we don't talk about it and we say things like, get over it, or why are you so upset, or that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't need to make sense to you. If your child is telling you something makes them scared or worried, the best thing you can do is listen. Allow them to explain it to you and then empathize. Empathize does not mean you have to say, oh, me too, me too, me too. I don't do that. I mean, my kids know I experience anxiety. I talk about it all the time. We both do, you know, but I don't try and relate to them like, oh, I have problems. You have issues. It's more like I'm listening to you. I'm looking you in the eye. The things you are telling me are not scaring me. And there are things that we can do to support you. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's again, it's a validating. And again, I'm, I'm using this word normalizing in two different ways. And I don't like that because I don't want people to get confused, but it's normalizing in the way that then our kids know they're not alone. These children who are feeling these feelings are children. So they have never gotten around to work through it. As adults- And we, they don't know that everybody has Exactly. It. As adults, we have all these stories where we say, oh, I remember my freshman year in college when I was so anxious, but then we got through it. Mm-hmm. So we know that it could be a passing phase. Our kids don't know that. They think that's the way of things all the time. And especially when things are so heightened in their world, when they're, they're feeling the pressure of grades, when they're feeling the pressure of their sport, when they're feeling the pressure of pressure of social situations or of the world as a whole. Yeah. Our kids may not understand what's going on in our country right now. They may not get every they may not be watching the news or watching every, you know, every post that goes on in social networking, but they feel it. Well, they feel it. We have a kid who uh, her settings on her phone gave her news updates. Oh my gosh. And we're like, "Hey man, Stop it. <laughs> yeah, we changed. We, I said, can I, can I uh, change your push notifications? Because she was getting, she didn't set it up that no, way. The phone just, came that way. Right. Or the app was downloaded that way. Or so, maybe she pressed the wrong button. You know, know, imagine a 12 year old girl is getting this push notification from the news that says Charlottesville, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, hurricane, blah, and blah, blah. That's blah, what blah, I'm blah. talking about creating a space. And sometimes we do have to assert ourselves and say, this isn't okay. You may not get push notifications of news events on your phone. And see, and I'd switch it a little bit. Instead of you can't do this, you're not allowed, okay. which is what's going to happen then. She'll be more attracted to getting <laughs> Exactly. Them. She'll be like, ooh, I'm going to turn my push. It's just, let but, me explain. But what if she's defiant after you explain it? I would say, sorry, I tried to explain it the good way. Now, well, but, no? but Todd, think about it this way. If you say, no, you can't, you're allowed, you're not allowed she could still be defiant, then what are you going to do? Like, what's your what's your go-to after she's defiant? I don't know. Right. So it I haven't kind gotten of, there yet. Right. And so, and again, but that's the authoritarian way of talking to her about it. And that's not what we did with Cameron. I guess all I'm saying is sometimes you have to... Be on it. Be on it. Right. And we were definitely on it. But what I said to her was, dude, I 
totally turned off my push notifications. You want to know why? The news is brutal. You know, like the things that you're getting on your phone, you could be in the best mood and then that's going to bring you down. And so I'm trying to relate it to her where she, again, it's intrinsic. She doesn't want to see it. But it's not me saying, don't look at that scary thing because then she's going to look at the scary thing. And, you know, it's the it's the authoritarian is you can't do it. But then she might not do it. You know, like there are some kids that because they respect you and because you have that kind of relationship that there are occasionally times when they're like, you know what, I'm going to listen to dad because Mm -hmm. I trust him and that may work. Um, But again, with Cameron, we just had a conversation with her and she's like, I know I turned it off. Mm -hmm. Now, could she when we're not around turn it back on? I haven't checked her phone. Well, it doesn't. I used to be around her and it would go. So it doesn't do that anymore. So it's not like I'm checking her phone for the you know, the switch and the general settings that say push notifications, but it's not happening. So I feel like uh, anxiety is just fear. It's another word for fear. Yeah, for real. And um, in an effort to kind of educate, there is a wonderful teacher who wrote a book called The Untethered Soul. And the name of the guy who wrote the book is called, his name is Michael Singer. And Oprah had him on her Super Soul Sunday show. And he discusses an idea that I love to talk about with my clients, with my friends, with my men's group, with you. And it's called The Voice Inside Your Head. Mm-hmm. And the voice, ins- so he ta- he describes what that is in a real brief way. So I just want to play uh, that part right now of The Voice Inside Your Head by Michael Singer. What is the voice inside our head? It's something we listen to on a regular basis. The problem is we think it's us. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you look at a vase and it says, God, look, that's a very interesting shape, but I don't really like the color that much. It reminds me of my grandmother's vase. And all of a sudden we have somebody narrating and talking inside her head. Mm-hmm. That is not, that's not you, yeah. right? Those are all your thoughts about the vase. And more and more as I watch that, I realize it never shuts up that it talks about everything, it judges everything, it thinks about everything. (laughs) Right. All right, so that is chapter one of his book in a nutshell, which I absolutely love. And chapter two is called The Inner Roommate, which is just a voice inside your head, but he kind of identifies it as a person living inside your head. Correct. And one thing I remember from the book is he says, like, if you had this kind of person who did all these things or who- Said all these things. Said all these things, Say it was your actual roommate who lived with you in your apartment or your house. Would you listen to him or her? <laughs> of course you wouldn't. But because it's coming from inside of our head, we give it more value and think that it's real. So it's it's just another technique to separate your thoughts and the observer of your thoughts, to use Eckhart's language. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can separate these voices that we all have and instead go take one step back of being the observer of those thoughts. And that is who you are. That is the soul of your being is the observer of these thoughts. I just think that's such a powerful way to kind of, it's not going to fix everything, but it's going to take some air out of the balloon. Correct. It just gives you a little space. And, you know, and so then people will say, they'll say, Todd, um, so if those thoughts aren't me, then who are they and why are these my thoughts? And how we can best explain that is your thoughts are, think about your brain as a processing machine. It's a computer. And basically it's constantly processing and working. And like Michael Singer says, and as you know, mindfulness teachers know, it never stops. So for those of you that meditate, you know that you don't, you know, for those of you who haven't meditated, who believe that meditation means you stop thinking, no, your brain, your brain doesn't stop thinking just like your heart doesn't stop beating and your stomach doesn't stop digesting food. It just does that. But what your 
computer in your brain is doing is basically processing any old tapes from your childhood, like, you know, experiences you had, traumas you had, good experiences too. It's not all negative. Um, It's also processing everything that you're watching and experiencing on an everyday basis. So those of you, I was at yoga this morning and there's this group of women talking about Game of Thrones and they said they couldn't sleep and that they're overwhelmed by Game of Thrones. Well, that's not a bad thing. Like for those of you listening who love Game of Thrones, enjoy. But your brain will take the information from Game of Thrones and apply it to everyday life. You know, if everybody on Game of Thrones is not trustworthy, then if you're ingesting that all the time, then your questions about trust well, get. I think I, I don't. Think this is from Michael Singer or Eckhart, but they when these thoughts can come into our brain, like we're watching a movie. Yes, our brain doesn't know how to distinguish between, between reality and reality fiction. and mm-hmm. fiction. Like, you know, because your sensible part of you is like, oh, it's just a movie. Right. Well, that's like being in a movie theater watching Friday the 13th and not being scared. You know, you're looking up at a screen and you're completely safe. But when they play the music and you're seeing these images, your mind tricks you. And and how do we know that? Because you scream yeah. during the movie, because your heart beats fast during the movie, because you get pissed, because you throw things. You are having an emotional and physical response to what you're watching. Your body does not know it's not real. And people will say, oh, I know it's not real. Intellectually, you know when you can access that part of your brain. You may not think, you may not really believe Jason's chasing you, mm-hmm. but your body is experiencing the effects of Jason chasing you. Yeah. So... This is the th- these are the things your brain is processing. This is why we always say watching the news 24-7 is harmful to your system because your brain gets overwhelmed by that kind of negativity. So there is – we have to feed our brains information that helps us process things in a less neurotic way. Now, that's not the only solution. It's just a piece of it because sometimes there's other issues going on that is causing that the, the neuroses and the inner roommate. Right. You know, this is not – I would never – And nor would Todd say, here's the answer. This is why I do this. This is a very complicated spectrum of things that come together differently in every person. But what we're trying to do is kind of flesh out some of the issues and some of the language so you guys can, like Todd said, create a little space between yourself and that voice in your head. Now, how that voice became what it is is different for every person. But at least knowing that it's a voice and that it's not you. And so Todd... Yeah. That's not Friday the 13th, though. That's Halloween. So creepy. It's Michael Myers. Um, I No, I don't have Friday the 13th, but I could do Friday the 13th. You now, ready? Well, that's it, right? It's pretty close. That's really good. I think, but what's interesting about playing that music is we have an internal visceral response to that music for anybody who, who Halloween was their scariest movie, which it is my most scary movie that I've ever seen. Um, and so you have a visceral response. Your body reacts to that music because that music is connected to something horrifying. Mm-hmm. So can you guys understand why it's so important to feed your brain information that will help you process the world better? Because if everything you watch and experience and take in and read and talk about is negative, it will be your viewpoint on everything. I was having an argument with my dad last night on the front porch. Yes. And he's spouting off all these horrible stories. And I'm like, Dad... I don't. I don't know how many times I have to get this argument with him, Dad. There are a thousand random acts of kindness happen every single day. That's correct in this neighborhood. That's right. 
but it's not on the news, but it's still going on. Correct. So fi- find your news feed on Facebook, all the positive stuff be- to balance out what is going to seep in the negative because you can't ignore that. Mm-hmm. So anyways. And that is your brain. Your brain is experiencing its history. It's experiencing what you're watching right now and, it, and what you're eating because obviously your brain is fed by the food we eat and all that kind of thing. It's experiencing how you're treating people and how you're going through the world, your own alignment and your own inner compass. Are you following that? Because if you're not, your brain is affected by that too. Um, and the, your brain also deals with future worry. Mm-hmm. You know, worry by definition is concern about what's coming next. Yeah. You know, it, it's I being so uncomfortable in this moment because there's no control about what happens next. And that is what worry is. So we have a Zen talk in 10 minutes. No. Yes. Oh my gosh. So what is uh, Team Zen? Okay, I, we're saying no because we we, we could talk go. for so much longer right. about this topic. Um, Zen Team Zen is this uh, group that we have put together. It's a subscription um, where if you subscribe, you get to, uh, there's three Zen talks a month where we do this live um, podcast, basically. Interactive. Interactive. And people join us. And if you can't join us for the live talk, we still email you the talk so you can watch it and listen to it on your own time. It's also a Facebook page where people interact and ask questions and, and we comment and other people comment. So it's a community. And it's also... Um, um, there's one more thing connected to Team Zen that I'm forgetting. There's Facebook community. Facebook community. The um, well, you get like for example, our Team Zen got fifty dollars off the of the conference. Right. Like we're trying to give Team Zen some perks because VIPs. they're part of our community. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna you know have some special stuff at the conference for them too. So basically, it's just an opportunity to to talk about these things more often or listen. You don't have to ask questions. You can just listen to other people's questions and also to have a support community virtually. Basically, it's just more Kathy and Todd. So if, if you want, you want it, it. if once a week is enough for you, then don't then sign don't, up. Yeah. But if you're like, oh, I might check that out, check it out. Or I have more questions or I wish I knew more people who thought this way. Yeah. Well, we've got a community put together right now. So join us. So if you want to do that, go to zenparentingradio.com, click on live events or excuse me, click, yeah, live events. Um, team Zen, no, Team Zen. It's I under think Team Zen. I think it's got its special little thing. You're right. Go to zenparentingradio.com, and there's actually a box for Team Zen. It, it is, if you guys haven't been to our new website yet, go, yeah. because it's so easy. Mm-hmm. Like Todd and I have taken our friend Brad, who put this together for us. He's got a company called Inspired. He helped us so much with this website. You have no idea. So go there. And um, again, September 11th, the movie Angst it will it deals with all these things we've been talking about and we could have gone on another hour about anxiety but the best thing we can do for our kids and for ourselves is to put this out in the open air let's talk about it because what happens is if we don't talk about it and we don't normalize it our kids think they're alone and it leads to depression and other horrible things that they shouldn't have to experience because they're normal. They're human. We all worry. We all have anxiety. And for those who have it chronically, there is help and hope and support. So there's this is an opportunity. And we just scratch the surface, basically. Totally. Um, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about it on Team Zen. Who knows? We will. And also for those of you who are like, okay, Kathy, now I want to go to the movie. How do I get there? Go to zenparentingradio.com. 
Com. Click on live events and the screening is right there. Um, and you have to get tickets through Zen Parenting Radio. Yeah. Even though the movie is at York Theater, which is our main theater in Elmhurst, they don't sell them there. We, I mean, if you came that night, we could probably sell you a ticket. Or but may not. May depends not. if we have a um, good space. So go online, ZenParentingRadio.com and get So our other partners, you talked about Brad. I'll just give him a shout out. His website is inspired. E, no, I'm sorry. It's N S P I R E D dot I O. And that's the guy who basically created this uh, website from scratch. So check him out. And then uh, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald headed beauty. His company is Avid Company. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. It's avidco.net. And don't forget about Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life because last Tuesday we were there. And what day was it last Tuesday, sweetie? Oh, I was reading something. I wasn't listening it to was It was Taco Tuesday. Oh, Taco Tuesday at Dr. Kelly's. And we all got dinner and sat down and ate at Dr. Kelly's. How many other chiropractors have Taco <laughs> Tuesday and I can get my yummy bean and cheese and guacamole burrito? Everybody there is so great. I know. We just love them. So check out Dr. Kelly and that's com. And then uh, last, we did get two iTunes reviews. Um, uh, one was from Brandy RD from the USA. She says, great show for all. And the other was from Angie 3M and she just can't get enough. So thanks to those two young ladies who gave us an iTunes review. And then by the way, if you're listening on our phone, on your phone, all you have to do is click on our picture on the phone of this podcast and the, and the screen will, will flip and the show notes and the resources and the links of everything we talked about on today's podcast will be on the show notes. So just click on that picture of Kathy and I, and it will flip to a different screen, which is kind of a cool thing. And you can do that with a lot of different podcasts. And our show notes are getting a little better because now, because of the new website, we have the ability to do that, link the resources and everything. Todd's really working hard on that. I am. Um, so I think that's about all we got time for because we have to be on in five minutes. Okay. So you guys, September 11th, Elmhurst, York Theater, the movie Angst, join us. You can bring kids 10 and above, especially if, if they experience anxiety because you'll want them to see that they're not alone. Yeah. Um, and get your tickets and we will see you there. And keep trucking, everybody. Adios. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you and we hope you'll join us again next time. If you are a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. Or you can also just tell a friend about our show. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. That's Kathy with a C. Hey, next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals, whether it's a relationship, parenting, career, time management, work-life balance, all that good stuff. Go to ToddAdamsCoaching.com. And uh, I also have uh, the first session is free, so it's really no risk. Or if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out TheTribeMensGroup.com. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. I want to give a special thanks to both of our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support and keep on trucking.